Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Joe Lalo, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Lindsay Baroker. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And today we'll be doing the traditional end of year look back and start of year look forward. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a post-mortem on the things we tried this year. Some things worked, others didn't. But there's always something to learn, whether it worked or it didn't work. So uh, we'll also discuss what our goals are for the coming year. But before we get into that, let's uh, see if there's any news or points of interest to talk about. I don't have a whole ton of news. I, we, this whole week has been absolutely crazy. We've kind of gone every direction. But um, I did end up printing off um, my... Um, the, did I already talk about this last week? Uh, printed off the whole series in really, really fine print, like six-letter font, six-size font. And I printed the entire series off with narrow margins, and it ended up being like... 200 or 150 pages double-sided. And what I'm doing with that is I'm going, this is something I definitely recommend for authors. Um, I'm going through the whole series and I, and it takes me like 10 minutes and I go through each book one at a time for about 10 minutes. And on that each scene, I'll write a one word hint or maybe two word hint about what's going on in that scene. And so it just gives me a really quick overview of, of the whole series, what's happened in the series, what my characters, conversation topics, things like that. And just help me make sure I'm not, you know, letting things go through the cracks. And like I said, last week, I am going to do a kind of slight edit change on the last book that I released and then end up releasing only one more book and then tie this series off. And I'm, it's been fun. I love doing these kinds of things because it's something I can do around my kids, which makes me feel productive because I can do it so fast. <laughs> my kids are not dying to get on the computer while I'm on the computer because I print it off. So anyway, that's it for me. All right. Well, for myself, I sent the last book in my Death Before Dragon series off to my beta readers. And um, that's book nine. And I just released book eight today. I haven't emailed my list yet as we're recording this at uh, 6 p.m. So I'm going to do that after we record. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to start something new. I jumped into a uh, Epic fantasy book one. I'm about 30,000 words in. And I think my estimate that these will be around 150,000 words is right. So these are definitely going to take longer to write than my urban fantasy novels did. Uh, so we'll see. I may end up doing something where I jump around, do a couple of books in this, and then do something easier and a little more chill. Um, I know I have a lot of fans at this point that would like to see me go back to existing worlds and existing series and do it more installments. So that's always something I think of. I honestly make a lot more money when I launch an entirely new series and just get all that launch juice and all the excitement and this new book on Amazon and, you know, just seems to do really well. It's much harder to kind of get a book one selling again. If you're doing a new installment in a series that maybe you haven't done anything in for a few years. So if I do go back to some of the old ones, I, I'd have a couple after complete, but um, if I go back and do new stories or side stories, I'll try to make them stand alone or maybe do a trilogy or something so that I can launch it as if it is kind of a, new product. Um, I also wrote a Christmas bonus story for my readers, uh, my Death Before Dragon series. We're recording this on the 30th. Uh, I started working on the story on the 23rd. It was just supposed to be a Christmas bonus scene, but you know how things go on this channel. Uh, it ended up being five, 6,000 words and kind of a legitimate story. But I just put that up on my blog. There wasn't any time to edit it. I finished it on the 24th. Um, and yeah, it was really well received. I sent it to my newsletter subscribers and, and, you know, regular readers of the series just as a, uh, Hey, uh, did this for free. You can have it. You can enjoy it. And I resisted the urge to sell anything in that newsletter. <laughs> I just sent them the link to the freebie. I get to sell them tonight when I uh, email them about the new book. So that's kind of the news here. I will say for any of you out there that get discouraged because things aren't going as well with your new books as you hope or your existing projects, you know, I'm definitely have some of that too. I'm like, like I said, 30,000 words in. I'm like, these characters aren't very interesting. I'm going to have to like make them a little more quirky or fun or something. Uh, you know, I've just finished two series, eight, nine books each and, uh, really know those older characters very well. So it's, it's hard to, uh, kind of slowly develop new characters and give them personality and it everything. Uh, but yeah, I'm confident, hopefully confident that as I go back and edit and as I, I get farther in this story, they will come alive to me more and tell me more about themselves and be very interesting to read about. All right, Joe, I'll pass it to you. All right. Uh, I'm in a similar situation. I uh, uh, Last week, we talked about how I was doing the open book project, which I have not 
continued on. I have to narrate a couple of parts of it, and the house has been very busy with the holidays. But um, I had mentioned how my, my resolve was weakening, and I was almost on the verge of doing another cross-genre instead of doing the smart thing and doing epic fantasy. So I made sure this week I sat down and actually plotted out some epic fantasy. So I've, I've got the framework of my next series. Next year I will be launching uh, a new epic fantasy, not a Book of Deacon story, a, a brand-new series, brand-new setting within the epic fantasy. And um, it's funny because this is the first time I have returned to a genre that I've been to before to write something new. In. Like I've written some short stories that are in the same genre as other stuff. But that doesn't count really. So this is the first time I'm going to make an entirely new series in a genre that I already wrote a series in. And it's weird because I already wrote my epic fantasy, you know, like the epic fantasy I wrote was what I would have written if I was going to write an epic fantasy. And now I, uh, for the first time I'm looking at it and trying to make sure that I don't re you know, retrace my own footsteps, which is something I've never concerned myself about before, because even if I did retrace my own footsteps with things like, you know, minor plot points or characters, it didn't matter because it was in sci-fi in one case and epic fantasy or steampunk in another. So it was still drastically different. But now if I, if I repeat myself, it would be very clear that I'm doing so. So I've been, uh, I've been, you know, it's been an interesting challenge, but I think I'm, I'm really getting excited about it as I, I was discussing it with some family members at, at Christmas. So I think I'm, I'm coming in, uh, at a good angle. Uh, just before we go into the topic, I wanted to comment that I think you'll have a lot of luck with it because your epic fantasy readers of Book of Deacon will be like, finally, Joe is writing in our genre again. So I feel like with the urban fantasy, I finally gained traction that now if I did a second urban fantasy series, you know, I get all those readers because I had that with the high fantasy, epic fantasy. And then I did somewhat also with the space opera. When I did a second space opera series, it's like the readers of the first one were like, yes, finally, we like the sci-fi, not the fantasy. And, you know, it's great. You get some people that will read, will read everything and they're awesome. They're your super fans. But I think you'll find, as I have, that you get a lot of people that like they have their genre. They will read you if you write in their genre. <laughs> yeah, and this was and this was already my strongest genre. So I'm, I'm hoping that between actually having something new, like the new starting point, and also uh, being better at marketing, <laughs> I'm hoping that this will this will be a, a pretty good. You know, this hopefully will make 2021 a pretty strong year for me if I if I do it right. Okay, so. I'm the one who's hosting, so I should probably just launch us into the topic, shall I? Um, so we're going to start with, um, like I said, it's going to be a look back, look forward. And we're going to be looking back at what went well in 2020 for our first section. So, uh, Andrea, let's, let's get started with you. What went well in 2020? <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, sadly, not much went well in 2020. Um, uh, I mean, we were under quarantine at the end of 2019, all the way through our own family quarantine, all the way through the end of March, which is when the whole world went under quarantine. So it was just kind of everything was really crazy. Um, but uh, I came to the realization that writing wouldn't be happening nearly as often as I wanted to do. I wanted to do it. And honestly, I don't know. It When I gave myself permission to stop feeling guilty, and when I took a break from my newsletter list, which I'm still on break from, which is so wonderful. <laughs> I felt more confident about my business goals than I have in a long time. Um, well, basically since my toddler was born because he's our most difficult child, uh, his health issues and personality, uh, he refuses to eat. I don't know what is wrong with him, but he refuses to eat until he's full. And then he doesn't sleep because he's hungry and he refuses to eat when he, I mean, he, this is just a constant cycle. I mean, he's lost weight again in the last two months and I just, uh, anyway, and then, of course, my own health issues issues um, have really put a strain on the business. Uh, but I let go of that expectation that I was going to be productive. And honestly, it made me feel really good. It just made that calm, that peace, that release that I was like, you know what? I cannot control the situation right now. But and so just just recognizing that I was out of control, <laughs> I'm just so out of control that that actually gave me a lot more confidence and a lot more peace than I have I've felt in a long time. And, um, and a lot of it is I'm not, I'm still making money, even though I'm not doing anything with the business other than as much, you know, the writing and the little projects that I've been doing on the side. And so it's, it's really good because I'm not emailing my newsletter. I don't know when it, I spent like two months, maybe since I last emailed my newsletter, maybe more than that. And I'm still making money not that same boost whenever I let out an email, but anyway. Um, and then 
And then I've been able to focus on courses this year. And that's given me a nice, nice thing to think about and to and research on because that works better around my schedule with my kids and homeschool and things like that. And so I'm not having to, you know how it takes, it's like, there's like a 20 minute phase before you start writing where you're trying to get in the writing mode. And once you do, you can get in and out of it better and easier for the rest of the day. That 20 minutes doesn't happen very often anymore. And some people are able to jump into it really fast, but they keep the story at the forefront of their brain. And I haven't been able to do that with the challenges that we've been dealing with. And so, yeah, so just coming to the realization that writing wouldn't be happening nearly as often as I want it to has made me feel like 2020 sucked, but it's, could have gone a lot worse if I hadn't let go of that, <clears throat> that expectation. Um, all right. So it was a pretty rough year for me too. I think it's a, it was a pretty rough year just in general. <laughs> I think we can all agree, but if I'm honest, uh, the things that made this year rough besides the global things that are making it rough for everyone weren't so much about things I did that went poorly. And we'll talk about those later, but just things I didn't do. Like when things went wrong, it's because I wasn't doing things I should have been doing. But uh, but we're talking about what went well. So as you'll recall, at the beginning of 2020, I said I was going to make it to year six. I was going to write the sixth and, and potentially final book of all three of my main series. They'd been running, well, I mean, Book of Deacon had been running for 10 years. Uh, and it was, you know, time to, to start something new, like I discussed earlier. So um, if we set aside the possible implications of putting out book 666 in a year that was plunged into tragedy and chaos, uh, it went pretty well. I managed to get all three of those books out, which is which was my primary plan, is to make sure that I actually completed them. And uh, they were all received very well by fans. I didn't have any real complaints, you know, the, the odd, you know, one-star review that every book gets. But generally speaking, the fans really liked it. Most of the time, what they were saying to me about how much they liked it was they were hoping that it wasn't actually the end of the series. And because of the way I write things and because... These are six very long books in the case of most of these. Uh, there are always dangling plot threads that I can potentially dredge up and write more in the future. So they're making those, they're, they've got a tally of all of those that they want me to, to readdress. But clearly they're still enthusiastic about the stuff and that's, that's always a good sign. Um, considering these were books six of each series and targeted mostly at, you know, targeted entirely at existing readers, the, the staggered price drop which was the tech, the technique that I tried for most of these launches, which is, you know, I would drop the price of the entire series with the earlier books being dropped more than later books, uh, combined with, with stack promotion. It actually worked really well. Um, in, in the, you know, in the, the month that I launched the book, my earnings basically doubled for that month. And then for about the next two to three months, my earnings stayed about 20 to 30% higher on that series. So uh, it, it was a nice boost on the day and it was uh, on the month and it was a reasonably good long tail. So either both ways, I think it worked out pretty well. I'm not going to be able to use that promotional technique anymore because I'm going to be starting a new series. But once I get to the end of the series, I know I can try to revive it in this way too. Plus, um, I'm eventually going to be extending uh, my urban fantasy series and I can pull the stunt then too. I think it's, I think it works pretty well. This was, by the way, a, a David Gogren idea. It's not like I, I, I revolutionized anything. Uh, also Patreon, basically, uh, 2020 was the first full year that I was running a Patreon and, uh, it has not been a gigantic financial asset, but it, I kept it going. I didn't miss a month, which is nice. And it has, that meant that I've been producing something fresh every single month, which I mean, to a small degree, it's like I had 12 releases on top of my, my four, I think main releases. So I got, I, my audience was always chattering about something new. And I think that was useful. Plus I got one extra release out of it because I did a collection of, uh, of the short stories from the, from the uh, previous year. So, um, I, I think that the Patreon has been a good thing for me and I'm going to keep going. I just released a new book three days ago, a new, uh, story three days ago. Also, uh, uh, as a result of Patreon and my tendency as, as Lindsay said to overwrite, uh, I think I ended up releasing two standalone novellas that were supposed to be short stories for Patreon that got out of control. And I ended up just selling them as their own releases. So I added a couple more releases into my, into my, uh, you know, minor releases into my schedule as well. There's also the seeds of probably another three series, like, the the urban fantasy series started as a as a Patreon story, and uh, there's a handful of things that I've been writing 
that the audience wants me to turn into a series. I got one that's like post-apocalyptic that I've already written a sequel story for. Um, I've got the, the cross genre thing I was talking about last time, which is dragons and spacesuits that people are always talking about, already talking about. They want it to be a full series. So, um, it's been a very fertile ground for coming up with new ideas. So I, uh, again, Patreon, I'm, I'm happy they did it. I'm going to keep doing it. And it doesn't cost me any money because the amount of money that I make, I calibrate it. So the amount of money that I make is the amount of money that I spend. So it's basically a break even. Other things that worked out well, NaNoWriMo, once again, successful. Um, I think that's seven or eight years in a row that I've done a NaNoWriMo successfully. That makes me feel good. Again, I'm powered by streaks. So when I have a good streak going, I like to keep it alive. And uh, I guess the other thing that I think really worked out well this year, I mentioned it in an earlier episode, was uh, Habitica, the uh, the to-do list software that I've been using. Um, it's been a real asset, not just for keeping my biz, like my book biz stuff uh, arranged, but also my non-book life stuff, because I had a terrible tendency when I was being very productive in my book life, everything around it would suffer. Uh, and so Habitica sort of kept everything sort of in front of me so that I knew if I was missing stuff, I, w- I could, uh, I could catch up. And, you know, it's an auto refreshing to-do list that, uh, that also gives me little imaginary goodies if I do a good job. So it's a source of additional, uh, endorphins in a year when I was sort of short on them. So I think that was a big win too. I think that that sums up the things that worked out well this year. Do you think that by doing the Patreon, you kind of feel this pressure, like in a good way to get stuff out every month that you might not otherwise feel? Yeah, it absolutely does. It's, it's always sort of, and also helps me plan ahead because I always like, I, I have a pipeline of stories. So not only do I like, I should always be putting out new words, even during my downtime, it's just, it gives me a palate cleanser because it's new words that are not what I've already been writing. And also I get sort of have a, uh, a look forward and see like, Oh, I should probably sit down and, and, and plan some more short stories. So it definitely, it's like a built-in deadline that like, I always have a deadline. The 27th of every month is a deadline for a story. So it, it, it keeps me moving even when I don't want to be moving. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I make dates with my editor, um, because she's also busy and I got to like, make sure I get my slots. But then I always feel like I have to have something from my slot. So there you guys know the secret to productivity is external pressure. I think we talked about that in another episode, not, not wanting to disappoint other people. Uh, so 2020 for me, which seems weird. And honestly, I feel kind of guilty about it, but it ended up being my highest grossing year to date. Um, I haven't calculated all my expenses yet and won't until tax time, but going over things, you know, I spent a little more on cover art than usual. Also spent more than usual on the series launch of the urban fantasy for about three months on ads, but I spent less in the second half of the year. Uh, I didn't have any cover art to order. And then I, I basically just kept ads running on the book one in that series. So I spent less on in the second half of the year than I did last year because I had two box sets going last year. So I think it's going to be, I spent more, but I made more and I'm still going to end up profiting more from the year. And that's always fun with taxes because you get to pay extra. <laughs> um, but what, you know, I thought it was surprising to me both because it was a distracting year that I managed to be as productive as I could be. Uh, I don't have as many distractions as a lot of other people, so can't complain there. It was just one of those, you know how it was, <laughs> doom scrolling, looking at the news, COVID, and then we had the wildfires out here in the West. And it's like, what is going on this year? Presidential elections, all that stuff. Um, but, and also when I, I know when I launched Urban Fantasy, I think I talked about this in March or so. I, it definitely wasn't like my highest grossing, uh, months, those three months, uh, on Amazon, the, the series is in KU. So I was mostly looking at Amazon. It wasn't as good as like my heritage of power series. I think even my fallen empire series had done better. So maybe it was like third or fourth, uh, with series that I've launched since, uh, since starting to launch things in the KU, um, earlier than that stuff was definitely not as high. Um, so, uh, I just, just in case it's useful for you guys, I like to make kind of a laundry list of like, why did, would things, did things work well? So hopefully I can do it again. Uh, some of it was kind of having a good tailwind coming into the year with, um, the two box sets I did, uh, had two complete series box sets of five each that I was running for 99 cents, running ads to, and they were in KU. So I was making all the money from the page reads. 
And those were going while I was working on the first three books in the urban fantasy series, which I actually started in November of the year before. So usually if you do the rapid release, even if you write quickly, like I write fairly quickly, you, you, you have a gap, right? Well, you know, you got to write the first three or whatever for the, the next series. Uh, and, well, so you have like three or four months where there's nothing coming out or uh, more if you, if you, if you don't write a novel a month, which is kind of normal. So uh, I didn't have as much of a drop off while that was going on. And I also managed to publish uh, 11 books in 2020. I look back, it was uh, eight in my Death Before Dragon series, two to wrap up my Star Kingdom series, and then one Death Before Dragons prequel novel, which was quite short by my standards. I think it might have hit 60,000 words, but we'll call that a novel. Uh, and like I said, it's a bit of a cheat because I started writing that series a couple months before the you know beginning of 2020. Uh, so that just kind of happened some calendar years end up having more releases than others but this was more than usual for me i think i usually have nine or ten and this was 11 and just to be clear you don't have to write that many books to make six figures i'm well above that now so this is like i'm kind of feeling like a small publishing company at this point and you know it's sort of i'm basically writing and launching a new series and completing it almost every year so will i do that indefinitely uh, i'm sure i won't i'll i mean i'm not looking to retirement exactly, but uh, that's kind of the goal is to get everything lined up so that I can be financially independent and not care anymore <laughs> what I do or how many I write, but I will definitely still write. Uh, and I'm still having fun with it. Uh, at this point, it's just that I try to take time off and then we have this crazy year where you can't travel or take vacation. So it's like, well, I might as well stay home and work on things and maybe I'll get to take time off in some future date after we're all vaccinated, hopefully. Um, I, I also was kind of lucky, actually completely lucky, in that as I plan to do a relatively simple series this year with shortish, for me, books of about eighty to 90,000 words with one POV character. So these were like way simpler than my Star Kingdom books, especially those last four or so, which uh, a couple of those broke 150,000 words and were quite complicated with like six, seven point of view characters. Um, so I would have been missing deadlines this year for sure. If I had been doing the, the kind of longer, more involved books with more POVs. Uh, another thing that helped, like, even though I had, the series didn't launch to great fanfare, uh, especially cause COVID basically took off right as I was launching it. I think that put the first one out at the end of February had the second, and that did pretty good. I, I did it at 99 cents and it was like, yeah, yeah, it's selling. It's like 120 in the store for however long. And then COVID kind of mid March for the second one and third one, like that month uh, things tailed off quite a bit for that series like it was still selling fine but like i would see i'd see other ones that launched at the same time we're still killing and i'm like oh no mine, mine's dropping and like i said it didn't make as much uh, in the beginning months as some of my other series had and this was my first foray in urban fantasy so i didn't have high expectations but you always hope you know that things will do really well sorry if you hear clacking toenails i have an old dog walking around behind me on the floors um but what I found is that once I boosted the price up to $2.99 and I was running, I was, I made sure I pulled back with the ads, but I was still running the ones that converted pretty well. Uh, and it was nice this summer where whenever it was when Amazon started, uh, showing the page reads that you were actually getting for the ads that helped me kind of figure out which ones weren't working and which ones were effective and that I should keep running. And I found that with this series, the ads converted pretty well, or at least better than some of my other series, like uh, my Star Kingdom series. Love that series. It's a fan favorite, but boy, as soon as I decided to do like a robotics professor for the hero of my space opera series, I was like, yeah, this is not going to be to market, to trope, anything. And the blurb for that first book is very much not standard space opera fair. I don't know what it is, but I tried it a little different on the box set, but it's still, that series does not really do that well with ads. I mean, it's it did fine last year, but it was not a stellar seller for me and it hasn't converted all that well um, when it comes to ads. And I think there's a little mismatch too with the blurb and the cover, but that's what happens when you order your covers long before you actually write the book. So like I said, um, I've been, managed to keep the book selling pretty well. Um, again, thanks to the ads converting pretty well. And there are we're up to eight books now in the series. So there's quite a few for them to go on and get at $4.99. And because these aren't that long of books and they're never really stuck super well. Um, they didn't get a lot of like all-star bonuses and, and things like that in KU. I'm only partially in KU. A lot, most of my stuff is wide, so I don't have as much stuff in there as some people that 
get those and I'm uh, not in as popular genres for the most part, but uh, did perfectly fine, no complaints. Um, the last thing that kind of helped out with this year was that I think when COVID came along, uh, a lot of people were like, hmm, I'm not sure financially what's going on. So they were looking in the freebie uh, list, especially on Amazon, but on the other stores as well. Uh, so I got a lot of extra downloads of my free book ones, especially my Dragon Blood box set books one through three, which just, I, that one's free sometimes, sometimes it's $4.99 or something. And it happened to be free. And that one was just getting a lot of love, like for about six months, maybe March to the end of August or something. And, uh, that really helped that particular series have a really good year, even though it's a six-year-old series. So it had a better run than usual this year. This is just kind of to say that the more stuff you have out there over time, the more chance you have of just kind of some luckiness or oddness happening. Uh, that was not anything I paid anything. I don't even think I got a book bub. I think I maybe had two book bubs this year and, and not on that series. So I've definitely gone down with uh, the ability to get book bubs. They've kind of seen all my stuff at this point. Like they'll do it. When I first took something wide, I was able to get one on that. Um, but they've seen all my stuff or it's in KU and they're not that interested in it. So I'm still happy to apply every now and then. And you never know, I'll take them when I can get them. But uh, for me at this point, it's not that crucial. But yeah, so those are the things I think that worked well, either through design or, or luck that uh, worked well for me this year. So I will pass it back to Joe. Do you want to announce the next topic before Andrea talks? Sure. Uh, so that was what worked well. We're, we're going to be moving on now to what didn't work uh, this year and what lessons we learned from them. So Andrea, take it away. Dang it. What didn't work well and what we learned from it? How am I... <laughs> Okay, so I think Joe added that in. That's not actually in my notes. It's not in the notes. It's, you I, were supposed I will tell to you learn what something. I learned from it. Yeah, <laughs> I learned something. Okay, dang it. Um, anyway, okay. So as I mentioned earlier, we got quarantined before COVID hit, and so most of what didn't work well wouldn't have worked even if things had been different. Um, the biggest area of life that got affected outside of my son was in-person events, um, author events, and I really, really. I'm sad that those didn't happen. Um, I planned to host several gatherings. You guys know um, that I was, I was planning to host several gatherings that would have had a marketing focus and I'd hope to start a mastermind and to travel to a bunch of events. And none of that happened. And I didn't have the time or brain power to organize anything online. And besides, I'm just, I'm like, I just, I don't know. This, this year was very hard for extroverts and all the introverts out there are like, yay, you're for us. And I'm like, I know, I know. I'm married to a severe introvert. And <laughs> anyway, so what I could have learned from it, um, ah, you know, maybe honestly, I didn't spend a whole lot of time this year having help from like external help. I kind of burned out on having babysitters come and help for a couple hours here and there. And honestly, I probably would have gotten a lot more books written if I'd continued doing that. But I just, I don't know. I burned out on having somebody else coming, even though it was only for four hours, one, uh, four hours a week, two hours, twice a week. I just, I just kind of burned out on it. And so I think that that would have definitely helped the business go better. And what could I have learned from that? I, I needed to finish my series. Like I really wish. So, so now we're, we're flying my niece in to help with the kids for a whole week so I can get the series finished. And it would have been nice to have finished the series earlier because if it's a series, that's not going to earn money. Then I should have just tied it off and, um, gotten onto other projects. But again, I did have a lot of, um, personal things, you know, health issues and my toddler dealing to deal with. And, um, so maybe I didn't learn anything. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, who's coming next? Joe, your turn. Yes. The guy who accidentally put a pop quiz into the notes. Um, so yeah, um, uh, in my case, as the stars, as the year started to wear, uh, wear on me, I completely dropped the ball on advertising and promotion. Now, uh, like I've never been the absolute champion at, at advertising and certainly not in this group and just in overall, uh, I have brief moments of, uh, of being good at advertising and then I drop the ball. And the thing that really didn't work out well for me this year is that, uh, because I didn't take the time to really cultivate an evergreen ad or even sort of get into the habit of refreshing my ads. Once I started to lose any motivation at all, 
it meant that instead of just not having very good advertising, I went to having basically no advertising. As I speak, I have a grand total of one ad running across my entire catalog, and it's because I forgot to turn it off a while ago. Turns out it's still making a little bit of money for me. So good job, Lazy Joe. But uh, uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. And and uh, also because I was sort of letting things slip, uh, by the time Big Sigma 6 came along, which was, the, I believe, the, the third of the three uh, you know, uh, book sixes that I released. I didn't even get the 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 uh, didn't, I didn't even do the legwork to do the fancy stacked promos for uh, for that release as I did with the previous ones. So it had an okay release. And I, I'm not upset. It certainly made you know it made the money that it needed to make. But I uh, I just let my lack of motivation leak into not just the creation of the art but the doing of the business, and, and it it had its impact. Um, so, and here's the big thing is because I let my, all that stuff bottom out. Now I'm at the bottom of a treadmill and I'm going to have to not just start running on, but start accelerating on in order to get all that stuff back up to where I need to be to keep me afloat while I do the rest of the stuff. Uh, like when I, when I get the next thing ready. So just overall, um, I just did not keep as close an eye on my own, uh, advertising productivity as I should have. So that didn't work out well for me. Uh, in terms of things I tried to do that didn't work out well, I made a brief attempt to do some of my own book narration. I have, uh, I narrated, again, Patreon. I took some of my shorter Patreon stories and I narrated some of them. And I, I mean, I produced something I would say minimally sufficient. Like, I'm sure if I was to have released it, uh, like it's too short, I would never release it on, on a, a uh, audible because it's just too short to be of any value there. But if I had submitted it, I'm, I'm sure that it would have met their criteria, but I could tell that it wasn't as good as, uh, you know, my other stuff has been professionally done. So I learned, uh, from that, that if I'm going to actually try to do like narration for other stuff and eventually get to the point where I'm going to be selling it, I'm going to have to put a little bit more effort into setting up a place for recordings. I'm going to have to, uh, sort of do, do better sound isolation, just generally get better at, at, at the production end of, of audio. So I have, I suspect you won't see, you won't hear me being an audiobook narrator for anybody in the, in the near future. Uh, so yeah, that didn't work out so well. And again, that's the, the, the useful lesson from that is that, uh, I know that I have number one, obviously I've been doing a podcast for a while. So I know that I have the, the, speaking chops to be minimally fascinating for, you know, an hour at a time, which is all you really need. Um, but I also learned that I do have, uh, the, the necessary skills to do some self-production. So I definitely learned, but I also learned that I have a long way to go before this would be a real thing. You are fascinating to us, Joe, or they're just here to see your figurines in the background. But... Maybe a recent addition, but I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're excited. Probably not the audio listeners so much, but those uh, ten people on YouTube, they're they're into your figurines. I for people on YouTube, I also got a shelf, and then Joe brought his shelf out at the same time, and I had like shelf envy. I was like, oh, I put some books on it. There's some art, and I just I can't compete with big custom figurines of your own characters. Uh, all right, so. So basically what I put in this section is less what I learned and more like I think what we learned collectively as authors and publishers and in this industry. Um, the basics was that ooh, did, if you've been marketing digitally, you were really ahead this year. And, uh, you know, if you were kind of the traditional publishing, going to conventions, going to signings and stuff, you know, these guys really had to pivot. Um, I think during March when uh, everything sort of exploded, it it was scary, not just from like, are, are we going to die from this? I mean, we were, didn't know how uh, bad it was going to be. Uh, I, I knew as an introvert, unlike Andrea, I had no problem holding up for the year, which is pretty much what I've done. Um, but yeah, you're just, you feel like, yeah, I, I don't know if writers are more empathetic than others or everybody's empathetic, but you were affected by other people's being distraught and in pain. Um, but yeah, so we then... 
but you know, and I was kind of bracing for the worst. I don't know about you guys, but I was like, oh man, the economy is going to tank. And we had never really, uh, as indie authors, all of us have been in this about 10 years. Uh, everything, everything's been going pretty good, uh, during the last decade. So I was like, I've been like waiting to see like, will sales drop in half, you know, how, how will it be? Uh, and, but I don't know, we had this weird K shaped recovery where basically some people got screwed and are continuing to be screwed, but other people weren't affected and beyond and above that, they actually had more disposable income that because they weren't able to use it on anything, you know, they could travel, go to concerts or sporting events or bars or anything else outside of the home. So they spent it on online shopping, which fortunately included eBooks. I definitely, I know I lost a few people on Patreon. You know, they said notes, they said they weren't working, they can uh, do this for now. So it's not like it didn't affect readers at all, but overall, uh, I, you know, I certainly saw that people continue to read books and it's good that with ebooks, we are able to price very inexpensively, you know, uh, we do the free stuff or you might be, if you are in KU or other subscription programs or libraries, obviously people can get your stuff very inexpensively that way. So it's like, even if, uh, you know, people were distracted and maybe not reading as first, uh, as much at first, it seemed like by April, May, uh, the readers came back. Uh, at least that was my experience. I, I think traditional publishing, like I said, they kind of had a pivot in a big way. And it'll be interesting to see if they continue that pivot or if they kind of go back to the old ways. Um, as indies, we weren't really doing conventions or in-person events to sell books anyway. Uh, you know, we, we could never get in the bookstores, so it didn't matter much that people weren't visiting them, except as a, us wanting to see the industry as a whole thrive. And, and I'm sure nobody wants to see bookstores go away. But uh, for anything doing the traditional route, you know, you really had to think, okay, I, I really have to focus on digital marketing and keeping in touch that way. So hopefully a lot of people learned that this year and are working to do that as much as possible. I do think it's a bit of a question mark if things will go back completely to normal and if there'll be a huge return to shopping in bookstores and other stores and going to in-person events as much. I'm sure it will recover to some extent, but I know, I don't know about you guys, but when I got my first e-reader, um, there was no going back. You just, I realized how much easier it is just to shop from bed at night and get the book delivered to my Kindle or iPad, whatever. And, uh, I think I've purchased maybe three physical books from physical bookstores in the last five years. And it was basically to support local authors doing signings. So whatever you're doing digitally, I think keep doing it. And if you haven't started, it's a good time to start. Uh, but yeah, I, hopefully you guys, none of, the folks listening are relying too much on that and the conventions and stuff. I know it's a big blow to artists who make a lot of their money that way. Um, but yeah, I think we've learned that you really have to be creative. Uh, and the more you can do online, the more people you can reach, the more effective you can be like, I can get thousands of people downloading a free ebook in a month versus trying to hand sell that at a convention or a book signings at a store. So I guess uh, those are my rambling thoughts. Uh, Joe, take us into the next section. <laughs> okay, so uh, the, we're going to finish off uh, today with what our plans are for 2021 and, and why we're planning to do those things. So again, Andrea, over to you. Our plans for 2021. I'm actually really looking forward to 2021. I mean, it's starting off on a better foot than 2020 did. And I kind of feel like it's because I have a better grasp of my toddler. <laughs> just, he's just going to be a freaking pill all the time. Um, anyway, so my goals, oops, as I hit my mic, my goals involve staying sane and finding and figuring out how to be productive, even with my toddler and homeschool. So I've got some specific goals and I've been thinking about these a lot. Like these are areas uh, like problem areas, basically that I've been dealing with for the last long time. And, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to actually do it and, and it's going to be good. And anyway, so one of the things I've been struggling with is getting to bed on time at night and by on time, I'm a morning person. And when I go to bed at like 11, it kills me the next day. And I've been going to bed at 11 a lot because it's the only time I have that's quiet. So, and I'm not productive during that time. I'm just like, it's quiet <laughs> during that time. And so what my goal, my goal is to be in bed around 10 o'clock every night. And I'm needing extra sleep right now because the kid's been waking up and because of the problems I've been having with health and I'm just not sleeping well. It's just not quality sleep when I'm in bed. And so staying up until 11 and 1130 has made my mornings horrible. And I don't get a handle on, on the day until like 10 o'clock in the morning. And for a morning person, this just makes me feel just absolutely awful for the rest of the day. So my goal is to actually get to bed 
when Nolan goes to bed and he goes to bed around nine 30 and I'm just going to sit on the bed and write in my journal. And that's another thing that I didn't actually put in my goals here, but I stopped writing in my journal and I'm, I've been a journal writer since I was eight. <laughs> so I have like boxes and boxes of journals that are very entertaining. Um, I stopped doing that because of stress. And so I found, I've been writing in my journal again for the last week and a half, and it just makes me more productive. And I don't know how that works, but just knowing that something somewhere has everything written down in it. It makes me feel better. Anyway, so I go to bed when Nolan does. I'm not really going to bed. I just sit on the bed and write in my journal and then I go to bed at 10 o'clock. And then I wake up an hour and this is these are my goals. I'm not successful every single day, but waking up an hour before the kids get up. And I know that for people who don't have kids, they're it's it's hard to and Lindsay understands you she has dogs, right? And I think Joe probably understands because he has a nephew that interrupts. And so like you can't sleep in when these little things depend on you. And they're like, feed me. Um, I have a caveat on that in a little bit from one of my other goals, but so waking up an hour before the kids get up, um, my kids are up around eight o'clock every morning. I'm really lucky that I've, uh, well, I've worked really hard and sleep trained them. So they wouldn't wake up at five 30 and six. Um, they wake up around between seven 45 and eight 15 every morning. And so if I'm up an hour before they are, I'll have time to shower, change my clothes, this is something I'm embarrassed to admit. Sometimes I'm in my pajamas until like 10 in the morning and 11 in the morning. And this is not how I was before kids. Holy cow. Um, and then plus get in a little bit of time on book projects and that, that honestly can change a day absolutely completely. So it, it, these are like really, really important things. If you're dressed and ready for the day in the morning, right away, it just changes the whole day. Okay. Then my next goal is to teach my daughter to take over for an hour in the morning. She's eight years old and she's, she can cook a bunch of different things. She's really independent and she's very reliable and she's getting good at getting breakfast for herself and the other two when I'm sick or when our toddler has kept me up for most of the night. So, and I'm going to formally teach her, you know, get up, change your clothes, brush your hair. I was going to say, do your hair and makeup. She, she ain't wearing makeup yet. <laughs> brush her hair. Um, and then get the other kids, um, dressed and eating and she loves doing it. And I pay her and it just makes her makes all of all of us happy. Um, and so my goal is for her to have breakfast and chores done by around nine o'clock in the morning. And by that point, I'll hopefully I've gotten about two hours of work, book work in, depending on whether or not I had to shower. Um, because living in a desert means you can't shower every day. Otherwise your skin falls off. Um, and I'll be ready to start homeschool. And so, and I don't eat breakfast. I'm not a breakfast eater. So don't worry about that. <laughs> anyway. So like I said, I'll pay her like a babysitter and consider it a business expense. And I've done that. I did that a couple of days last week. It worked out really, really well. Um, and then the last thing I'm trying to work on is exercising and watching what I eat. Um, even if I weren't trying to lose weight, which I'm always trying to lose weight just because, um, babies make you gain weight again. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Sorry. Sorry. I should stop saying that, but I, I gain weight when I have kids and then, but days when I eat poorly, um, and I don't get up and move around, like walk on my treadmill or, or walk outside or lift some weights. Those days end up being really, really hard days. And I can tell when I've eaten junk food or processed food, it makes me sluggish and irritable. And those effects will leave or will stick around for several days. And so my focus this year is going to be moving more and eating well. So taking care of myself, that's just a big focus I'm going to have this year because the time when I do have, I need to be able to be productive. And if I'm putting crap in, then I'm not going to be able to, you know, get stuff done. Anyway, so those are my grandiose goals for this coming year. And I, if I were single and looking at myself right now, I'd be like, what the crap is wrong with you? Those are things that I do every day right now. Cause you know, as an oncology, you know, when I was in oncology, when I was in college, that's just what you did. But as a mom to little kids, I'm learning that things are just super different and so diff and much more difficult. So, so I'm not going to make any specific goals for the business, um, because I need to get my personal life in order in order to run a business. And so my goals are going to be to get my personal life in order so that I can run the business. And then once I've got those things set up in a way that's satisfactory, I'll be able to focus on weekly and monthly goals and, um, and then hopefully start producing books again regularly. And, um, yeah, so just getting the basics figured out before I can focus on the bigger picture again. Um, especially during a time when I'm unable to write most days period. So that's pretty much what I'm going to be working on. I represent all of the scatterbrained mothers of young kids in the audience and guys, this is our year. We're going to do it. Dang it. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, yeah. So, so my year is, um, and I, I'm gonna be starting a new series. And I think I've uh, two years ago I tried the rapid release on the Urban Fantasy, and I don't think the rapid release was. I don't think it was a failure because of the rapid release. I just think there was. We've discussed my postmortem on, on the thing. Um, and I also have uh, my more traditional method of that I release books is the uh, one per series per year, which we've talked about is not a great way to build momentum, although it does sort of make each individual uh, release a little bit more of an event. So you can sort of work heavier promotion than you might otherwise do. I think I'm going to split the difference this year and I'm going to release the books as I write them. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, write three of them and release them all at once like I did with the urban fantasy, but I'm going to stay dedicated to a single series. So I will be releasing three books in the same series successively as I complete them. And, um, I think that'll give me probably the most workable method for me to, to, uh, to, to get as close as I can get to a, a successful, uh, rapid release without having to take six months off, which taking six months off, prepare three books works great if those books are a gigantic hit, but the last time I did it, they weren't. So I'm going to try to, you know, temper the method so that I have more regular releases and I can get a better read on how to course correct along the way. Um, so I'm going to write them as quickly and as comfortably as I can. Uh, I actually already have the issue where I didn't, uh, unlike, uh, Lindsay, I didn't, reach out to my editor and make sure that I had all the editing slots I need. So my release is going to be partially based upon when I can get the editing done. But uh, I'm not too worried about that. I wasn't expecting to do any releases early in the year on, on this particular project anyway. Uh, and also, I haven't decided if I'm going to start it in KU. I probably will just because, uh, you know, I want to get, I want to have one at least uh, success story for KU. And I've done a couple of different experiments in KU and none of them have worked out particularly well. But I feel like, uh, you know, I want to, I want to just, if, if for no other reason, prove to myself that I can, I can make the KU thing work. But I'll do the standard pre-release on my Patreon so that people who are wide, my wide audience will have an opportunity to read it, uh, before it eventually gets made wide, uh, everywhere when it's run its course in KU. Um, something else I'm looking for is I'm going to do my darndest to get my advertising chaps together again. And this time maybe make it a part of my daily or weekly schedule to, to assess and refresh. Uh, I say that I'm going to try my very best. This is the part of my next year that I suspect will continue to be my greatest struggle. I don't know why, uh, especially since I've been doing, you know, the marketing podcast for so long. I don't know why I have never gotten the, uh, the, into the habit of advertising. I individually develop the skill. I have a reasonably good run for a little while. And then for some reason it always falls off. So uh, I will do my very best and I'll try to keep on top of it. But, um, this is the one where if I, if, if we look back to what didn't work next to this year and at the end of 2021, you might hear me doing three paragraphs on my failed advertising, uh, uh you know, schedule. And, uh, it's a great, that's always a great idea, by the way, is to shoot yourself in the foot right at the beginning of the year. And also, uh, now that I've, uh, I've got my agenda shaping up nicely, the daily agenda shaping up because of Habitica, I think I'm going to try organizing things to segregate the book biz from the rest of my life. I have a tendency to let my workday spread through the entire day, which is fine because, you know, I, I break up. And, and because I do that Pomodoro method, I tend to take those 15 minute breaks and do things for my, for my day. But it also means I might end up working until 3 a.m. if I get really into a groove and, or if I get really behind, either way, I might end up spending way, way, way too much time contiguous or letting it spread out and working too slowly. So I think I'm going to try to do a little bit of the banker's hours thing where I try to not only set my word quota and set, get all my business stuff done, but also try to make sure that it gets done before, say, 5 or 6 p.m. so that I have the rest of the day to do things that aren't book-related and to make sure that I dedicatedly stick to doing non-book-related things during those times just so that my life in general will, will shape up. I also should be, you know, getting a little bit healthier and, and stuff like that. So if I... It seems strange that I have to choose to segregate a portion of my day to work on myself, but I'm going to try to do that this year so that, uh, so that I can be a whole person instead of just sort of two thirds of a person. Um, 
because yeah, it only takes a couple of 18 hour work days to grind yourself into powder, which may or may not have been something that happened earlier this year. So, uh, those are my plans for 2021. And I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about the book releases and stuff. And I already have my, my to-do list for how to be better at advertising because it turns out we keep all the notes for these shows. So I can go back and look at all of the, the best pieces of advice that I had marked for my own use. All right. Gosh, I was going to ask you if you were going to try to rapid release the epic fantasy because I'm kind of thinking like, uh, I don't think I could do that with 150,000 word books. I mean, I rate pretty fast, but still. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I did want to, what else was it? I was going to comment on yours on the advertising thing, um, that I have found, uh, and that more so this last year or two that if, uh, like during the launch, I'll try a bunch of ads, you know, like eight, 10, whatever, and see kind of what works and let them run and shut off the ones that don't work that well. But, you know, since I kind of, in May, I shut off the ones that weren't working. I think I made one more since then for the Death Before Dragons book one uh, at a lower price to see if I could not bid as much and then still get play in, in urban fantasies. Fairly competitive, at least within sci-fi and fantasy. And um, yeah, I was able to, and I've kind of found that I've really, it's been set in and forget it. I'll go in like once a month or so and just make sure nothing really wonky is going on. But I feel like once you've stumbled across, and I'm going to say stumble, these are, I'm honestly just doing mostly auto ads, letting them not put any copy in there because if I put copy in there, it can possibly turn people off. Whereas if it's just the book cover, they're going to completely click based on the book cover. And then the blurb, I have a, I do better when I have a little more room to work with. So auto ads. And then I think in the beginning, every time I always try keywords, I'm like, I'm going to target these authors. I'm going to make sure I'm going to in their also bots. I want to be in that particular author's also bots. And that stuff never seems to work despite my uh, efforts to do it. And what I find is that I do find just uh, doing like urban fantasy, paranormal, you know, or uh, epic fantasy, doing the category ones or the auto ads, um, I will sometimes, I have one or two of those going to where I let it pick. You have to be careful, uh, some, because it will target, you know, it's like, oh, somebody searched for Lindsay Baroker. We will show Lindsay Baroker's ad. I'm like, wait a minute. They would have bought my book anyway. Uh, and we've discussed that before, but I, I feel like Amazon has gotten to the point where you really don't need to be putting out new ads all the time. Uh, you know, do a bunch, see what works, call the ones that don't, and then like increase how much you're willing to spend each day on the ones that are working for you. And it seems to be right now uh, that, uh, I don't know, I, there's like, once something's working, it seems to continue working. Sometimes people will come along, like before Christmas, I felt like bids got higher and I was seeing less ads, uh, get less clicks and impressions. But then right after Christmas or even probably like a few days leading up, it kind of went back to normal. Like people were cutting off their campaigns or something, but for the most part. And I'm all about that. You guys, the more set it and forget it, the ads can be the better. Uh, but I, I feel that part of it is just realizing to which of your series, once you have more than one series, you'll probably also find that some of them just convert better and they're closer to the market or whatever it is. The blurb strikes home, the cover strikes home and they do better than possibly some of your other series. So it may be worth just kind of focusing most of your ad money, especially with the pay-per-click, the expensive ads, quite frankly, on the stuff that's kind of proven. And then like with my other stuff, that's especially not in KU, uh, I try to get free books every now and then. I mean, I try for book clubs. Like I said, I didn't get that many this year, but uh, you know, just run some sales on those, but uh, I just wanted to comment on that, uh, on advertising. Cause I feel like there is sort of this thought out there that, Oh, you got to be in there every week, like tinkering with them and trying to make them better. And you maybe want to trade off. Like if you're trying to get 10 cents a bid or 20 cents a bid, you may be really struggling to get as much play as you want. So you have to decide if your time is worth that money or could you bid 30 cents and not have to be in there all the time playing with it and just be working on the next book. And, and, you know, people will kind of figure that out for themselves. Let's see. As far as uh, my things, I will say, Andrea, I get up at six every day. I cannot sleep in or it screws up everything. So I think that's a great goal. I don't know. Uh, people that sleep in on the weekends, I, I used to be like a total night owl. So it's really, I have to be really careful not to let myself slide back into that, especially in the winter when it's like dark until eight, <laughs> at least here in Oregon or seven 30. I think I was walking the dogs in the pre-dawn gloom this morning, but that's what works for me. I keeping things 
I have my routines. I like to keep to my routines, you know, coffee in the morning. Um, then I walk the dogs and we all have breakfast together, me and my dogs. I don't have any kids, just the puppies, uh, you know, and then I get to work and, um, actually Joe was talking about not letting it bleed into like evening and stuff. I actually had three days just now. Cause I feel like with this epic fantasy, it's going to be long. So I really have to buckle down where I actually hit my word count goal by like three 30 in the afternoon. I was like, this is amazing. Why can't I always do this? The problem is that you then resent yourself later when you're, it's like 9 PM and you're still working. Cause you didn't buckle down and get them. But I don't know, I guess we just have to appreciate the good days when they come. And I do think it's good to like, have <laughs> like this is my time off or this is my exercise time i'm always uh careful to get that stuff and i've had so many issues over the years i kind of have to be careful like i have i can't screw around with the diet i do like a paleo diet i don't eat much sugar and it's not because i'm so great it's because i've had so many issues and having a good diet is what has helped a lot but as far as my work business goals, for those who are still listening to the podcast, as we ramble on about our diets and our sleep schedules, um, since I am opting to do the Epic Fantasy series this year with longer books than average, I'm sure there won't be as many releases and I doubt the income will be as good. You know, page reads might help, but I don't think they're going to make up for fewer purchases and fewer books out. But sometimes you just have to do what the muse wants. And at this point, uh, fortunately, I can afford to do like more of the passion projects uh, instead of always thinking like, well, how do I release a book a month? Every way I keep the money flowing in. Um, and of course, I hope the epic fantasy does well. Uh, but it's definitely, it has, I have to admit, it has crossed my mind to go, mm, maybe I should just do a spinoff of the urban fantasy series, uh, mostly because they're easier to write and because the it, the series was fun. I did enjoy doing it. Um, even if that's not my, you know, I didn't do super amazing uh, with the launch of the new series, but um, they were pretty fun. And, and like I said, a lot easier to write. So that may be something I think I already said this, or I thought about saying that, but if you're struggling with some epic fantasy or some historical tome, that's like 200,000 words, maybe set that aside, write something easy where you can actually write three books fairly quickly and, I don't know, you might have fun and then come back to it and enjoy that stuff. But I will say though, I, I've decided to uh, do the urban or the uh, epic fantasy because I do actually have a larger fan base in the sort of secondary world made up fantasy stuff. So I know they've been waiting for something new. And if I find those too difficult, I'm, I have some sort of tentative plans to kind of jump around uh, into, like I was saying, older stuff and maybe do a, a one-off here and there. Uh, yeah, because I'm getting to the point where I have so many worlds that I'm starting to lose track. <laughs> it's like hard to keep track of everything. And I know the readers uh, really want to want to see the older stuff. So it's always like, can I do it as a new release so that it's not relying on somebody having read eight books already in the series uh, to try the new one? Um, beyond that, as far as kind of marketing and stuff goes, my main goal for 2021 and beyond is to kind of continue doing what I know works, but also try something new here and there. It's really easy to get in the rut of Amazon ads, building up the newsletter. And for me, trying to do the rapid release of a new series every year and Honestly, it's because that stuff all works for me. I've tried a lot of things over the years and seen things come and go and, and those, those work. Uh, free book one still works pretty well for me with the wide stuff. It's not in KU. Um, but you know, new things pop up every year and uh, I don't want a lot to waste a lot of time on something that isn't yet proven, but I think it's also good to try some things that every other author isn't already doing right now. If only because there's a lot less competition then. And if you stumble across something that works, you've got the early mover advantage. So I'm going to try to be open to, um, poking around, seeing what's out there, trying new things. And of course, I like to share with you guys. So if I ever find anything brilliant, last year, I tried Goodreads giveaways for the first time in like eight years. And it's like, eh, maybe. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, I know I sell enough books regularly that it's really hard to see if something moves the dial. Uh, so it's actually easier if you've got some series that isn't hardly selling at all to go in and see if some marketing thing is effective or isn't uh, until the day when Amazon and the other bookstores actually let us know where the sales came from. We're, we're stuck guessing unless it was an affiliate link. 
the last thing I want to continue to do is, I, you know, I opened up talking about how I did a free Christmas bonus story. And I want to always remind myself to continue doing those free bonus things for my existing readers and to try to keep them, you know, give them extra stuff, make them happy. This was such a crappy year for so many people. I got so many nice emails this year about like, thank you, your book's made me laugh for a little bit and were really helpful during this time. So I was glad I was putting out a lot of um, books in a a pretty funny series, actually. So like I said, it ended up being a good year for that particular series. And I think it is easy to get into the mindset of like, well, I've got a fan base now, so it makes more sense to charge for everything and make money from everything. But the readers really do value the bonus stuff in the series they've come to love. And yes, some of it's calculated. Like uh, I want you to join my newsletter to get these bonuses. But you know, sometimes I think just doing these sort of things that are that they enjoy that's free at no cost. It really makes them want to help you by sharing your work with others and raving about it online. And we always have to remember that if you're fortunate enough to grow a fan base and, and get readers that enjoy your work, it's always way easier to sell new books to existing readers who already love your work than to kind of get all new readers off a cold call, which is basically what an Amazon ad or a Facebook ad is. So it's just, I have to remind myself of that because sometimes I resent, I'm like, why did I decide I'm going to do this? You know, I've got to date with the editor for the next novel. I shouldn't be wasting two days on this bonus story, but um, it's, I think it's worth keeping it in mind because the readers really do like that stuff. All right. I think that that is it. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Joe, did you want to wrap up? I wrote it. You're hosting the show today. I put it in the wrong color for the closing. Well, yeah, I'll wrap it up. But do you guys have any additional thoughts before I do so? Nope. <laughs> Andrea will be up at six o'clock tomorrow to walk her dogs and I'll feed her kids. We'll, we'll trade off. Yeah, that would be actually really great. <laughs> I might pay you like 25 cents too. <laughs> Ooh, to feed there's like three of them i might ask for like two dollars that's a lot <laughs> all right um so thank you for listening and thank you to joshua pearson for producing the show you can find the show notes or leave a comment or a question at six figure authors with the number six and uh thanks everybody yeah bye. thank you everyone bye <laughs>